You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, unafraid witness, and uncommon community. If you have yet to do so, we would love to have you join us for worship in God's Word on Sunday mornings. For more information, visit us online at harvestniagara.ca. Thanks for listening. God, thank you for this time uh, together today to refocus our minds and our hearts on you. God, we admit as we run throughout our weeks, we get discouraged, we get distracted, we allow other things, our jobs and our families, our own pursuits to take precedence over you. Oh God, would you forgive us? Who deserves the greatest place in our hearts? It's you, oh God, and God alone. Father, would you this morning as we worship, as we open up your word, would you rekindle in each of us a passion for the name of Jesus? May we not just go through the motions. May we not just agree with all the things you tell us in your word. God, may we live lives of worship, not just sing songs on Sunday morning, but our, when our lives reflect every single day the full reality that we have a Savior and we live a new life. Oh God, would you do that in me? Would you do that in us? Would you open our ears to hear your word? There's no sweeter voice than yours, oh God. Help us to hear your voice today. Would you open up our hearts to bow low? Would you become greater? Would we become less? Would you increase? Would we decrease today? Teach us, God. Shape us, mold us, use us. Help us to be in awe of you by the way we live our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I invite you to take a seat this morning. You can turn with me your Bible. It's the first Peter chapter 5, verse 5, one verse. Don't worry, it's packed. We can get 45 minutes out of one verse. Don't stress out. It's still going to be a sermon. First Peter 5, 5. If you don't have a Bible, you know the routine. If you're uh, new here, we have Bibles for you. We'd love to give you a copy of God's Word. Put your hand up, and you can follow along. The person beside you can maybe help you find uh, the passage. Say, First Peter 5, 5. Really, it's all about one word, this passage, and it's a word that's had a bit of a resurgence in the church lately. You hear it everywhere, and it is this word, humility. Honestly, I don't remember ever hearing it growing up. I grew up as a pastor's kid. I was in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Friday night, and any other time the church was open. I don't ever remember hearing the word humility. Maybe it's because I was too proud to hear it or I was too self-consumed, but I don't recall that being a part of, of my upbringing when it comes to Christ. I remember thinking, you got to do the right thing. you got to be the good person. you got to love God. But I don't ever remember hearing that you need to be humble before the Lord and others. And yet, what a biblical truth this is. This is a crucial reality of our lives. Humility is part of what God has filled us with and called us to as we live our lives before him and others. This idea that that we are no longer as Christ's followers called to float our own boats, to walk around like we're the king of the castles, to promote our own agendas and live for myself alone. Now that we live for Christ, we also live for others. Humility. So prominent in the church today is it almost seems like it's the, the catchphrase. You know, you tweet something out that's, a, that's something exciting, you got to put the hashtag humble on the end so nobody thinks that you're proud, even though inside you're super proud, right? It's become a bit of a catchphrase, but it's not supposed to be a catchphrase for Christians. It's supposed to dominate the way that we think and the way that we live our lives under the power and the glory and the, and the presence of God. Remember the little infographic I put up before you uh, as we started this series? Humility uh, covers 15% of the one another's. And so it's a concept we have to get not just on the forefront of our minds, but deep into our hearts. 
So often people think being humble is just simply being humble before God and putting on the right face. And yet true humility before God means that we're also living in humility before each other. Listen to what 1 Peter 5.5 says, so you don't take my word for it, take God's word for it. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 6 goes on to say this, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he might exalt you. Humility, more humility, please, O Lord, is the cry of my heart this morning that you will grab as well. So often we pray for more love and more grace. When was the last time your prayers were dominated by, by, God, I need to and I want to be more humble as a person? It's on my top five, of my top five prayers I pray every day. That's on the top five every single day. I need it. I can't do it by myself. It's where life is found. The sooner we get a hold of this, the better. I probably should have started this whole one another series here. You know why? Because without a humble heart, we can't live out the one another's. We can't love each other. We can't serve each other. We can't encourage each other. John MacArthur says, uh, humility is one of the fundamental attitudes of the Christian mind. No such thing as a cocky Christian, incompatible. John Chrysostom, one of the church forefathers, said this, humility is the root, the mother, the nurse, the foundation, and bond of all virtue. Humility is what God gives his children as a gift to reflect his glory. Here's the reality. When we became Christians and we humbled ourselves and said, okay, I need Jesus, uh, God didn't just kind of do a little cleanup of our lives, a little fine-tune-up because we were a little bit broken. He came in and replaced the whole thing with a brand new life. It's like when you take your PC to the shop, think you need a tune-up and a, and a little bit of a uh, clean-up, and they say, you know what, your computer's shot. You need an upgrade. You need a Mac. A whole new operating system, a, a, a whole new, so you walk out of there, a whole new computer. That's what God's done for us. He's taken away that, that old life, and he's trashed it because it was so broken it can't be fixed with viruses and all the other things. He's given you a new life that can't be affected by viruses of the world in the way that the PC can. And part of the new life that he's given us is this mindset that desires humility, this heart that desires to be conformed to the image of Jesus our redeemed mind and our redeemed heart are pre-programmed to this reality. It's one of the core elements of our new personhood. So saying that, this verse reminds us that humility ought to be one of my top priorities. Humility ought to be one of my top uh, priorities. The whole context of this section of Scripture is about submission. It's about submission. Elders, leaders in the church, you're not the, the all that of the church. You live out your lives in submission to God. You live out your calling with humility before God. A, a, a church leader not living in submission is a tyrant, is a dictator. That's not what God has called church leaders to be at all, under shepherds of the flock. In the same way, 
Church members or church congregants are to live in submission as the elders live in submission. Church members would live in submission to elders. It's, it's not a strong arm term. It's a proper term that God uses to, to live in, in submission to God and the leadership above us. And he uses the term young men here. Why does he just say young men? Probably because young men maybe struggle the most, we think, although I've seen some pretty stubborn, strong-willed women in my lifetime. So don't think you're exempt from this. But it's the whole picture of submission of like everybody kind of in a circle together, Jesus in the center of that circle, everyone on their knees, bowed down in submission. I'm going to play out my role as an elder under submission to Christ. You're going to play out your role under submission to Christ under the leadership of the elders. That's the proper way it all fits together. And the only way you can live in submission is if we all grab a hold of verse 5. Clothe yourselves. Who? All of you, this message like it's leaders, it's to the followers, but it's all of you. Who does all of you include, do you think? Yeah, if you're here today, it includes you. Are you part of the all? You're part of the all. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it's all of you. You know, mature Christians to the newer believer, to those who come every week, to those who pop in and out once in a while, to those who maybe have a, a little bit of prestige to them, to those who are like kind of unassuming to those who have some great gifts, to those who feel their gifts aren't as great as others, to those who are old, to those who are young, have I covered it all yet? Have I covered it all? Did I miss you? Did I miss you? Hopefully not. What's the point? It's for you. It's for me. You know, we come into church often, we're like, oh, well, that's a good sermon, Pastor. I've heard people say this, and I, I sure thought of so-and-so. And I was like, crummy, that was a fail. If I'm ever preaching to so-and-so, then I failed as a preacher, right? If I'm ever listening for somebody else, Who's this for? Who's this for? Can you say it? It's for? Who's it for? It's for me. Look what it says. It says, the call, clothe yourselves. Clothe yourselves with humility. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. Put on the clothes of humility. It's like when you woke up this morning to come to church, anyone here think, don't put your hand up because it'd be embarrassing. Do you ever think like, I wonder if I should get clothes on this morning? <laughs> I hope not. That's why I said don't put your hand up. We don't want to know. It's instinct, right? So you wake up in the morning, what am I going to wear today? And if you're going to a wedding, you wear one thing. If you're going to a funeral, you wear another. If, if you're going to play sports, and, and here's the deal. When, when Jesus saved us, he gave us a new uniform to wear. Our closets were full of the grubby old weekend clothes of our sinful self. Holes in them, gross. You kind of don't wear those things out. That's, that's what we wore in our souls, right? That's what our spirits were. When we, became, when we became children of Christ, he filled our wardrobe with like all these righteous garments that we are to clothe ourselves in, not physically, but over our hearts. And just like a, you know, a, a private school out, you know, uniform kind of identifies that kid with that school. You see those? You walk driving down the street, you're like, oh, that kid goes to that school because of the uniform. Well, well, here's our spiritual uniform. It's not what we wear on the outside. Who cares what we wear on the outside, really, right? It's, it's the inward clothing of our souls with the righteousness of Christ. One of the righteous garments he wants us to put on every single day, no matter where you go, whether it's sports or, or piano lessons or school or church. What is one of those garments he wants you to wear? The garment of? humility. And yet so often we as believers know the garment is there, but that's one that's sort of hard to put on most days. And so we choose to leave that one in the closet thinking if I put all the other garments on, I'm going to be looking the part. And yet you miss the garment of humility. You miss the, the, the undergarment of it all per se. This is what Jesus says. 
In Micah 6.8, this idea of putting on humility, he has told you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justice and love kindness and to walk, here it is, humbly with your God. And to walk humbly with our God is not that we get under God and power over people. That's not it. To, to get under God means that I submit to God first, submit to the authorities over me, but also to others around me, making sure no one is beneath me. That's true humility. Submitting to God first, the authorities over me, but also others around me, making sure that there's no one beneath me. Oh, how countercultural that is, isn't it? Our culture, you got to climb over. you got to exert yourself and show yourself. God's like, ah, 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 I already did all that for you. Here's what humility means. A lowliness of mind. The actual definition of the word is a lowliness of mind or self-abasement. Not thinking I stink, but it's keeping yourself on the even plane with everybody else. It describes the attitude of one who willingly serves even in the lowliness of tasks. I don't know about you, we have some tasks in our house that who's going to take the garbage out? There's no one ever clamoring to take the garbage out in our house. Toilet number one needs cleaning. Anyone volunteer? Never in our house is like people, our kids, me included, it's like, oh, please let me do it. And yet that's what humility is. It's Willing to serve and even doing the lowliest of tasks. You think, well, this, is, this isn't strong. This is weak. You know, back in Jesus' day, it was seen as weakness too. Humility was seen as weakness. And so this was a countercultural call. The only time humility was really accepted in that culture was with a subservient servant, and they need to be humble, and I'll, I'll accept that because you deserve to be there. But it wasn't something people were clamoring for. It wasn't the, the I hope when I get older, I'm a little more humble than I am now. And so even in our culture, I think we see it as weak, right? But, but humility is not weakness. Let's be honest here. Humility is not weakness. Anybody can be arrogant. That comes easy, right? Even the most quiet person in this room is, can be arrogant, no problem. The actual one who is the strongest is the one who can keep their pride in check and actually live out their life in humility. That's a sign of true strength before the Lord. Obviously not by your own power, but by the strength of God. I must cover my heart daily in humility. Uh, get this, uh, to be humble is to walk in the ways of the Lord. And God doesn't call us to something that he is not already. Not already doing, but not already. To be humble is to walk in the way of the Lord. Do you realize that humility is grounded in the character of God? Humility is grounded in the character of God. You think of God as all-powerful and almighty. He's on the throne and, and he wants glory, right? But that's not a self-seeking, proud thing. God is actually a humble God. How do we know that? Because Psalm, Psalms chapter uh, 113 tell us and Psalm 138 tell us that God, as high as he is, CEO of the world, is humble enough to look down and see somebody else in need, us. And so he reached down and gave us the greatest gift he could give us, his son, Jesus. No proud person ever does that. You know, the proud people in our world, they walk by people who are hurting and needy. And what do they say? Like, who cares? Don't have time. That's pride. God, God's not like that. God is a humble God. He cares about others. It's not all about him. Jesus Christ himself actually demonstrated for us the greatest humble act in all of history. What is it? 
Philippians chapter 2, he humbled himself and became obedient, even obedient to death on a cross. Kind of blows away this whole idea that humility is for the weak and, and somebody else. No, humility is God's character. Humility is Jesus Christ in every single way. Jesus humbled himself. Think the king of the universe was born not in a palace, but in a manger. Jesus, we should have been rolling out the red carpet for him. Instead, you know what we were doing? We were crucifying him, crucifying him so that his crimson blood could cover over our sins. Jesus wasn't demanding his rights. He was giving up his life for our rights. That's humility. Where is our humility rooted? In? It's rooted in our view of God. It's rooted in who Jesus is. Once we see that, humility doesn't become hard for us. Humility is actually an easy thing. This guy in college, a, a Haitian guy from college, I remember his name was Matthew. That's all I remember about him. But he used to walk around with, doing this. It's hard to be humble. I'm so good looking, it's hard to be. He's just joking around, right? But I just remember about him. It's hard to be humble. It is. But when we see Jesus, we see all that he is, and all he's done for us. Humility is not a hard thing for us. It comes naturally to us through the Spirit of God. It's important to know this, too, and to be humble is to walk in the ways of the Lord. It's not just, it's not just knowing God's character and God's, and God's example. Do you realize that humility is the only way to God? There's no such thing as a proud Christian. Think about salvation. Jesus died for us. What do we have to do in response to Jesus? We have to humble ourselves and admit that we are sinners. Man, is that hard? A lot of people believe that Jesus is who he said he is, that he died for our sins. But to admit I'm a sinner, my youngest has a hard time with this more than any of us. He got a double portion of my stubbornness and my wife's. That's a, that's, that can be good news or bad news however you look at it. We can sit him down and say, Nick, you're wrong. You need to admit that and say, sorry, you know what he says? I can't. <laughs> can't. So we got to take his feet out for him and put him on the stairs time out. He pops right back up. Humility means that I admit that I'm a sinner. Humility and salvation means that I have to admit that there's somebody greater than myself, the only person that can get me to God, and that's not me, it's Jesus Christ. That takes humility. Humility and salvation means that I'm gonna submit myself to Jesus, and now he is gonna be the king of my life. I'm gonna take off my own crown, I'm gonna put it at the feet of Jesus, I'm no longer king or queen of my life, I'm gonna let him play that role. It takes humility. You can't get into the kingdom of God without humility. You just can't. Narrow is the door. I think we think of the narrow door as like you got to squeeze through it and got to be skinny. The narrow door, I think, opens like a, 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 a puppy hatch where you got to crawl through on your belly. But it's not just getting into the kingdom that humility takes. It's, Jesus says that greatness is in the kingdom that is determined by who is the most humble. It's necessary... Humility is necessary to be great in the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 20, verse 26 and 27 says, you want to be great in God's eyes? You want to be great in God's eyes? Then you better take heed of the message on humility. I'm going to be the greatest person in the world for Christ. You might be looking at it a little differently than you do. Moses, Hall of Fame, was a very meek man, more than all the people on the face of the earth. He was the most humble, it says, on the face of the earth. John the Baptist, the greatest person that Jesus said ever lived, ever born of a woman. John the Baptist said these words in John 3, verse 30. He must increase, I must decrease. 
This is what humility is. I, I think in our churches, let's be honest, it's become such a buzzword, humility, over the last 10 years. Again, I remember hearing it before. It's become such a, a buzzword. We have grown accustomed to being able to define humility, but man, we haven't let humility define us. God doesn't care if we define humility. God wants humility to define my life. Starts out with my view of God and, and humbling myself under God, but, but it goes further than that. That's what this passage is pointing out. I had to give you the full, the full deal on humility, though. You can't just jump into this without getting the, the full deal on humility. But he goes on to say this. This is what this passage is about. Your humility is before God is lived out in relationship with each other. That's point number two. My relationships ought to be defined by a humble spirit. My relationship ought to be defined by a humble spirit when I really get that I don't deserve Jesus. I don't deserve salvation. I'm not nearly as good as I think I am most days. But yet Jesus loves me anyways and he reached out to me anyways. Then, then man, that ought to change the way I think about how I interact with other people. Our relationships ought to be defined by a humble spirit. Every Christian who lives for the glory of God lives by humility in relation to everybody else. Philippians 2 describes humility so well in verses 3 to 5. Here's what humility is. Maybe it doesn't use the words exactly one another in here, but it basically says the same thing. Do nothing. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours or already yours in Jesus Christ. God's given you this mindset, now just live in it. Let me read it again. This is, this is, how, this is how our relationship is supposed to be marked. Just consider your own self right now. Are you living in a proper view of God and yourself? Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Jesus Christ. This is how Jesus Christ thinks, and so his followers will also think in the same way. Again, it's not this idea of uh, I stink and I'm no good, always putting myself down and not to let people take advantage of me. That's not it. That's not humility. Humility is this, having a high view of who God is and a proper view of who I am in relation to God. He is everything. I am nothing. Others come first. I come second. This is the one another's. Isn't it so easy to say, Oh, yeah, I get that one another. Yeah, yeah, next, next, next. I already got that one. I get that one. This is the one another's. God is everything. I am nothing. Others come first. I come second. I read a great story that illustrates this so well. It's uh, about a man uh, named Booker T. Washington, a renowned uh, black educator uh, who is the uh, president, first black president, I believe, of Tuskegee Institute in Alabama. And so here's this prestigious educator back in the days when there's the whole uh, black-white debate. I guess it's still going on pretty strong in the U.S. I don't feel as much here. Uh, but he was, uh, just got installed in presidency, and so one day for his lunch hour, he was walking through a pretty prestigious neighborhood just enjoying the nice uh, Alabama sunlight, and this, uh, this wealthy woman came running out of her house and said, oh, uh, sir, if, if, if you have a few spare minutes, I'd like you to chop some wood for me and, and uh, stack it for me. <laughs> kind of a smack in the face for a well-educated, kind of prestigious rural guy. And since he thought, well, you know, I need some exercise. I've been sitting at my desk all day. He didn't say anything. He's just like, sure, I'll do that for you, ma'am. 
And he went and chopped her wood for her and stacked it nicely in her house. And she had no idea. She gave him, what, five cents, whatever. He, he went out and didn't say a word. Just went back to work thinking that that was a great little exercise on my time off. The little girl who was with the woman uh, recognized him uh, for who he was and, and later said to him, do you realize who just chopped your wood? She had no idea, but she was mortified that she had treated this man in the way she did. Uh, so the next day, she went to his office and she, to apologize. She said, I had no idea uh, who you were. I'm so sorry, sir. And what she had done in the meantime, she rallied up some of her friends and made a great big endowment to the university that he, he led just as a, a thank you and I'm sorry. But, but what, the point of that is what a humble heart, hey? Like, like what a humble heart. Like we can learn so much from this man. God honors Humility, God doesn't just call us to humility, but he honors humility. And this shouldn't just be a story that is about somebody else. This should be stories people tell about us at our funerals as they think about who we are. Man, I didn't treat that guy right, but boy, was he gracious. Man, I can't believe how that person interacted with me in this scenario. That's how people should be talking about us. Isn't humility such a, a, a powerful reality when you see it applied in that way? It speaks of the glory of Jesus. Why is humility so hard, do you think? You read that story, like, man, they're still telling that story how many years later? Why, why is humility so hard? It goes against our flesh. It goes against our nature, doesn't it? You ever played the whack-a-mole game at the you ever played the whack-a-mole game at the fair where you're trying to whack that mole down and, and that's sort of like our pride. Like Paul says we've been made new, but we still wrestle with the old self. We still wrestle with the, the pride of, of life. And so if our whole daily thing is to pound down that pride, pound on, you stop pounding and you, you start losing. You take a day off and pound down your pride, and you're gonna be losing that battle and not gaining any points. So against our pride, it's so against our culture. Our culture preaches this to us every single day. Kids, you hear this in school. I see it on, the, on TV, even on the news. Our culture preaches this. No one tells me what to do. You gotta fight for your rights. Now, I'm my own person. I'm my biggest advocate. I'm gonna stand up for myself. And they feed us this great big plate of pride telling us that's where our satisfaction is gonna be found and that's where our, our joy is gonna be found. And God's saying, that's not it. It's not it. It's in this little humble pill that I have prescribed for you that you find all the cure to all of what ails you. Clothe yourselves with all humility towards one another. What's the opposite of humility? It's pride. I think a lot of us can sit here today and be like, oh, I'm humble for sure, and I'm definitely more humble then. Start thinking all the way pride, you know, the, the illustration of all, here's how pride pops up in my heart. I'm sure it pops up in your heart in some of the same ways. Let's just, let's just do a quick diagnostics of pride before we move on to see if we're truly humble. I think most of us would give ourselves the benefit of the doubt and say, I'm, I'm probably more humble than most. Check this out. Here's, here's some of the signs of pride. Self-focused. Think about myself. I talk about myself. I tote to myself. And I'll care about you as long as you agree with me and fit into my agenda. Self-focused. Well, this entitled mindset. I think... I want, I need, I deserve. Notice the common I. Always comparing myself to others and thinking that somehow I should have what they have because I'm all that. What about this one, an arrogant attitude? I'm sure none of us have this here. Looking down on others' opinions and objectives and outlooks and opportunities. 
Oh, I may not be always right, I can admit that, but it's pretty much 95 to 97%, I think. You do so well to like adopt my way of thinking about theology. You do so well of like raising your kids the way I raise my kids. And, and, and you know what? You really need me really a lot in your life. You, I mean, I need you a little bit. You really need me though. The way I practice my faith, it's just learn from me. Oh, this a judging spirit. Always giving yourself the benefit of the doubt but being suspicious of others, even finding faults in others. Overestimating me and maybe underestimating somebody else. Man, I can't believe everybody else is striking out like every time and I'm like hitting out of the park every day. Like, how does this happen? I even think I'm more humble than everybody in our church. I say it more often for sure and I put on the right face. And What about a judging spirit? What about superficial relationships? I think this is, this is one that's pretty big, you know, these one and others. What's a sign of pride? I isolate myself because I'm afraid to get too close to people. If they get too close to people, they're going to know I sin. They're going to know I suffer. They're going to know I struggle, and I don't want that. I want to pretend I have it all together, and so I'm going to dip my toe in the community thing, and yet I'm just going to stay right back out here so I can live in my little naive place of thinking that I have it all figured out, and I want everyone else to think so too. I find these things cropping up in me a lot. I wish I could tell you you have a humble pastor. One day, maybe, when I get to heaven. Until then, let's fight this together because I think those attitudes that I found in me, that I've seen in others, they, 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 honestly, I think they dominate the church more than the humility thing. Kind of hurts to hear that, doesn't it? Hurts to admit that for sure. You know the greatest breeding grounds for pride? The church. How can this be? I think it's because we get with all like-minded people. We start thinking, oh, we got it all figured out. Everyone else, man, they are messed up. We become like the Pharisee in Luke chapter 18. Remember that story? Jesus put this here on purpose for us. Remember that story, the Pharisee and the tax collector come into church and the Pharisee's the guy who's got, he, he looks all together and he's got all the religious things to say, the flowery prayers and he finds himself standing at the front of the church. Like not the, he comes in, he's standing right up here, you know, with his arms high before the altar and he's praying, he's praying this. He's, he's praying, um, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Robbers and evildoers and adulterers and even this guy who's at the back of the church can't even get himself to the front because he doesn't think he's worthy. This tax collector at the back on his face. He's like, even better than that guy back there for sure. Look at all I'm doing. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all that I have. It's kind of like he's saying like, oh God, you're so privileged to have me on your side. If only everyone could be like me. Hey buddy, learn from me. The guy at the back. He's flat on his face. He can't even bring his eyes up because he knows, man, tax collectors are known as scammers back then, right? He's, he's at the back and he's, he's just like, oh God, just be merciful to me, a sinner. It's not a very flowery prayer, is it? But yet look what Jesus says at the end. This is, this is verse 14. I tell you that this man, this man, this tax collector, rather than the other, went home justified before God. This guy up here, that was all show. That meant nothing to God. It actually probably meant something to God. He probably got this little like gag reflux. 
But this man at the back, this is what I am exalted by. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. This man is going to be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. This whole pride thing that we're okay with is not okay. Never, ever, ever. In fact, our passage here in 1 Peter 5, 5 says this, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes, if you're, and you're even saying those attitudes in your heart, God opposes you. I played football in high school and I was the quarterback, so I get behind center and sometimes there'd be like a great big lineman right here and I'd be like, oh man, let's not run up the one or two hole because he's going to stuff it. Let's try and get around that guy. Can you imagine lining up and seeing on the other side, who's on the other side? God. All right, I quit. There's no, no point calling a play. He's going to stuff it at the line every single time. God opposes, actively opposes the proud. He doesn't just not like the proud. He stands against the proud. But I'm a Christian. He doesn't stand against me, but he sure stands against the pride in our hearts. And he'll oppose us as much as we need to get us back to a humble place again. But look what he says. He gives grace to the humble. He pours grace. He pours his spirit. He pours his strength. He pours his glory on the humble. So our deal in life as believers is to try and interact with people like Booker T. Washington, like the tax collector and not the Pharisee. God, make me humble. It's a good prayer to pray. Make me humble. What's he going to do? He's going to make you humble, which is good, and it's going to be right. Here's here's some marks of true humility that we can be praying for in our own hearts and in lives. We kind of looked at the signs of pride. Here's some marks of true humility, uh, clear-sighted. God, give me 20-20 vision when it comes to a proper view of you and a healthy view of myself. God, help me see people as you do, not as my flesh sees them. Really, the opposite of the other list we gave you, I gave you. Mark's true humility is clear sighted. See so clearly God, see so clearly who I am. And here's another one considerate of others. Your opinions and your objectives and your outlooks, they might not be what mine are, but you know what? I can respect you. And just because you don't agree with me doesn't mean that you're a heretic all the time. We can have a conversation with each other and disagree and me not walking out of that looking down upon you. Be considerate of others, thinking about others as God thought of us. What about this one, one who listens well? Sign of pride, you know how you can just spot pride right off the bat? The person's like, yappity, yappity, yap, 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 but yappity, yappity, yap, yap, yap. Can I speak now? Nope, 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 nope. The person just keeps talking and talking and talking. And talking and never listening. That's pride. Humility is one to quick to ask questions rather than jump into conclusions. Boy, can I learn from that. I don't assume I'm right about you. I want to get to know you and, and figure out who you are and where you're coming from, from before I assign a motive to that. One who is humble will listens to feedback well. I had a, a mentor tell me once, feedback is a breakfast of champions. And so I'm thinking, yeah, of course it is. Feedback that tells me how great I am. But that's not the feedback he's talking about. A humble person is really willing to hear the constructive criticisms and even the destructive criticisms because there's a little bit of truth in even those. And they're willing to see that we have growth points in our lives that others are welcome to point, point out for us. You know why? Because we're not God, so why pretend? 
Marks of authentic humility are someone who listens well. Read some Proverbs this afternoon. I have a bunch here, but I'll let you look them up for yourself. Read, some, read the Proverbs on listening and humility. Here's another one. Content with being second. Content with being second. That's true humility. I rejoice when you succeed. I don't have to be uh, first place in everything. It's hard for some of us competitive people, right? But I rejoice in allowing others to succeed and praising and getting the praise and even me being praised for something that I have done that I know I deserve the praise for. A truly humble person smiles and keeps going knowing that God has seen it anyways. What about this one? A humble person is slow to judge. Instead of overestimating ourselves and underestimating everybody else, we overestimate everybody else and maybe underestimate ourselves sometimes. Slow to judge. I'm not talking about not being discerning when it comes to sin. I'm talking about judging others and not thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought. Here's the last one. A humble person is a God-first person. God-dependent. Instead of plowing into scenarios and circumstances and even church thinking, I got this covered today and man, I'm going I'm to light it up for the glory of God. We're God dependent. We're in the word of God knowing we need to hear from God again today. We're, we're, we're praying feverishly every single day that God would fill us with all that he needs to fill us for his glory. You know, we're, we know our strengths. We know our weaknesses and glory goes to God and the strengths, not the superficial to God be the glory that we all just say now because it's a thing to say, but truly in our hearts, oh God, help me give you the glory. And we're quick to acknowledge that we need him in our weaknesses. That's a truly humble person. Truly believing God gets all the credit for everything in our lives. Oh, how we can say the right thing, but miss it in our hearts. Here's what John Bunyan says if we're going to pursue this to encourage you. If you're going to pursue this, this is, where, this is where God meets you. He that is down needs no fear of falling. Get this, if you're on your knees, you don't need to fear falling down. He that is low doesn't need no pride. He that is humble ever shall have God to be his guide. Not a more, another helping of everything else. A more humility, please, God. Give me another helping of humility, please, God. The world might not understand it, but I want to be humble before my God and humble before each other. Can you imagine how this would change our lives if every day on our top five prayer list was humility? Think of how it would change your homes. Think of how it would change our church. Think of how it would change our community. Just this idea of being humble toward one another. If you put be humble toward one another on your wall, you know, instead of the, the other happy slogans we put on there, can you imagine how it would change your house? Husbands and wives, can you imagine how it would change your relationship with your wife if you actually tried to live in humility every single day of your life? Instead of busting home from work expecting more, come home from work thinking about your wife and, and those arguments we have. Instead of, instead of trying to power over each other and prove each other wrong, which happens so often, maybe not in your house, but it happens once in a while in my house. Can you imagine we just be humble and listen and try and understand and ask questions and seek to love and seek to give the other person the benefit of the doubt? Honestly, there might not be very many arguments in our house. Can you imagine kids, if, if you tried to be humble before your parents and actually listened the first time? This is my dad speaking now, the dad and me speaking now. Can you imagine if you listened the first time your parents asked you to do something instead of questioning or coming up with excuses or, or telling how your, your sibling didn't do it well the last, can you imagine how that would change things? 
Can you imagine if you thought of others before yourself and actually tried to do dishes or clean the toilets once in a while? It's not that hard. Put the stuff in, give it a flush. It'd be amazing. Can you imagine how sibling rivalries would stop if we actually were humble? I think our homes would be a different place, don't you? Just with a simple one another. Cross-stitch that on a pillow. Put that on your wall. It'll change your home. What about our church? Can you imagine if it changed our church instead of walking in here Sunday expecting to get out and, and, and thinking about all the things I wish church would be? Striving for position and instead of striving for position and to be noticed and my preferences, coming in here realizing it's not about me anyways, it's about Jesus Christ. If I could just come in here and get my eyes and my heart on Jesus Christ and humble myself before him and others, this would make our church amazing. And we're doing pretty good already. I think we have a fantastic church, but can you imagine just take us to the next level? You know, the big downfall of churches, I've been through a church split. I've seen other churches split. You know what, you know what it is? It's, it's just a lack of humility. It's a, it's a, I think, I want, I deserve. This thing should be about me. And we're missing it. It's not about me. Who's it about? Remind me, who's it about? Who's it about? Jesus. Yes, Jesus. There's no position too low. There's no tasks too small. You're not serving me. You're not serving our elders. We're serving the Lord together. What about our communities? What about our communities? Christians shouldn't be known as the pompous know-it-alls who are hard to get along with. How times have I even shared my face with someone? I was like, oh, I'll never go there. This guy I work with. I know all about you Christians. You're know-it-alls and you've got it all figured out and I'm like, I don't know about other Christians, but I don't have anything figured out. I'm just trying to follow Jesus. Christians in the workplace are supposed to be the ones who understand and who are, are easy to get along with and who are actually the, the giving people, actually helping their coworkers succeed instead of trying to rip them down. And actually living out what Christ calls us to live out, love and serving and encouragement. Yes, it starts in the church, but it bleeds out into everyday, our everyday lives. Christians ought to be the team players and making a, contra a positive contribution to society. We should be giving the vibe to people that I want what they have. The one another's. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. If we're going to be who God's called us to be, we've got to stop trying to exalt ourselves. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? We've got to start exalting Jesus and, 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 and living our lives for his glory. And out of that, the overflow of humility just pumps out of our hearts into the lives of others. Forget the humble hashtag. No one needs to hear it anymore, to be honest. They need to see it. If we have to say humble 14 times in a day, chances are we're probably not humble. We're trying to convince ourselves and everybody else around us that we are. It's time for us as a church to live out being humble towards one another. Not merely defining the word, but letting the word define my life for the glory of Jesus Christ. You can pray for me on that. You can pray for our elders on that. You can pray for our staff on that. We'll pray for you on that. Together, let's pray for this. 
of humility would mark our lives, would mark our homes, would mark our church, would mark our communities, that people would know us, yes, by our love, but also by our humility. Let me pray. God, what a great word for us. We see so clearly that you've put this in the Bible, in the New Testament, over and over and over. Not just that we would now have to pull up our bootstraps and live it and try and be a good Christian, but, but as a natural overflow of who you are and what you've already done for us. God, help us to grab a greater view of Jesus today. Help us to humble ourselves first and foremost before you, O oh God, and bask in the glory of the one who saved us. And God, out of that, I pray that humility would flow. Forgive us, O oh God. Forgive me, Father, where humility has been lacking and where we're okay with it, where I'm okay with it. God, we want to honor you. We want to live our lives for you. We want to know the fullness of what you have for us in this life. We want to be impactful for your kingdom. We don't want to waste it. We want to grab a hold of it and live it. And God, we can't do this without your, your power and your strength and your presence. And so, God, where humility needs to be applied through repentance today, would you cause just a spirit of repentance in this room? Would you show people maybe where they haven't seen before, but they're so proud. And they're missing out on your call in their lives in so many ways because they refuse to submit to you and humble themselves before others. God, this needs to be an encouragement today. Would you encourage those who are striving for this to not give up the fight, the, the pride? Hedgehog keeps popping up every day, but would you give us the courage to keep pounding that thing down and keep pounding that thing down, never getting weary, trusting that you see and you honor and you bless those who are humble. And God, we can't wait until the ultimate exaltation. Even if it's not here on earth, we can't wait, God, till the ultimate ex exaltation where we are with you in glory, where we see you face to face and where our prize is awaiting and where we hear the well done and faithful servant, if that's the exaltation we get, that's it, Lord. We, that's the only one we need. We don't need the worldly stuff. We want that one, oh God. Help us to live for what matters most, oh Lord. Help us to be a people and a church that loves you and that lives for you as exemplified by humble lives. In Jesus' name. Amen.